Welcome to Booz Allen Hamilton's Unstoppable Together podcast, a series of stories that unite us and empower each of us to change the world. I'm Jenny Brooks with Booz Allen Hamilton, and I'm passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Please join me in conversation with a diverse group of thought leaders to explore what makes them and all of us unstoppable. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstoppable Together podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Brooks, and today I'm excited to be joined by Dr. Christina Leggett. Dr. Leggett is a Booz Allen associate and a nuclear technology science engineering and technology advisor for the Department of Energy's Advanced Research Projects Agency Energy, or ARPA-E. At ARPA-E, Dr. Leggett helps program directors develop new nuclear energy R&D programs and provides technical oversight over several ARPA-E-funded nuclear fission and fusion R&D projects. And in celebration of Black History Month, we're spotlighting her as one of Booz Allen's Modern Day Technology Leader Award winners from the 2022 Black Engineer of the Year Awards. Congratulations and welcome to the podcast, Dr. Leggett. Thank you, Jenny. I am really excited to be here. Thank you. I'm really excited to have you join us today. First of all, congratulations on being named ABEA Modern Day Technology Leader. I'm so excited. Could you tell us a little bit about BEA, this award, and what this recognition means to you? So thank you, Jenny. It's a great honor for me to be nominated uh, for the Modern Day Technology Leader Award. The Modern Day Technology Leader Award honors individuals who are shaping the future of engineering, science, and technology, more of a, an early career, mid-career award. And so this award was actually really meaningful to me because um, when I was back at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission several years ago, a colleague also won the Black Engineer of the Year Award. And I thought, wow, he is really amazing. It would be really awesome if someday I could actually win that award. And so you can imagine years later, I was shocked and actually flattered when a colleague and friend at Booz Allen Hamilton told me she thought I'd be a good candidate and she put in a nomination packet for me. And of course, I was even more surprised uh, when I made it to the next round of reviews and was ultimately selected as an awardee. And so I'm really proud to have received uh, this award. And I'd say that the award really motivates me to work even harder to deserve this recognition from my peers uh, and also to serve as a role model to young Black girls and women everywhere. Awesome. Congratulations. And we're so proud to have you out there with this recognition as well. You said that it was sort of like a a mid-career recognition. Can you take us back? How did you get interested in STEM? Was it something that you were always interested in as a child and you've studied all the way up? What does your journey look like? I mean, we're talking about energy and nuclear energy solutions to boot. What does your journey look like? Oh, yeah. Good question. Thanks, Jenny. Um, So, so firstly, I'll start by saying I was always interested in STEM. Uh, You know, math and chemistry, were my favorite topics. Um, I was originally interested in going to medical school, so I was always mixing what I thought were cures for cancer and digging up rocks, just doing all kinds of really diverse uh, scientific activities. But at the time, as a kid, I didn't know about nuclear science, right? And so it wasn't until I got to high school AP chemistry when my AP chemistry teacher 
taught us a module on nuclear chemistry. And I just thought that was the most amazing thing, that the, the fact that you could split the atom and release so much energy that could be used to make electricity, to help diagnose and treat cancer, do so many other things. And to give you an idea of how dense nuclear energy is, one uranium fuel pellet creates as much energy as a ton of coal or 17,000 cubic feet of natural gas. And so wow. I thought that was really cool, right? <laughs> even though I thought that was cool, still planning to pursue medicine, maybe even nuclear medicine to use it to you know, diagnose and treat cancer. But I think when I got to undergrad, that's when things really changed. The story goes that I went into my honors chemistry class and I announced to my teacher, I want to study nuclear chemistry. And she said, well, you know, you're in luck. There's a famous nuclear chemist here by the name of Greg Chopin. And so that actually started my career sort of in nuclear. He actually was responsible for when he worked with Ben Seaborg and discovered uh, a couple of the elements on the periodic table. And he actually facilitated me uh, getting into nuclear science because, uh, you know, Florida State University didn't actually have a nuclear chemistry program at the time. And so I had to do a lot of summer internships in nuclear science. And so, you know, once I finished that, I decided to go into grad school to do nuclear engineering. So it was actually a really fun uh, experience. My area of expertise was actually in recycling nuclear waste. So when people talk about, you know, what about the waste? Yeah, uh, I say you recycle it, right? <laughs> Just like glass, you know, paper, anything else. And was that at the time that you were studying it and going into it somewhat niche? You're in grad school and how many are in your class in this field? You know, at that time, nuclear science, nuclear engineering in general was on a downward slope, right? So departments were closing across the country. Not many departments were offering uh, nuclear chemistry. And even then, those departments were small. I had the fortune of going to the nuclear chemistry summer school, which for my class, there were 12 people selected from across the country for this program. And I was the only person of color in that cohort, I believe. But then when I got to graduate school at UC Berkeley, the department was really small. I think we had maybe 40 graduate students total and maybe half that in undergrad. And so... Again, in those cases, I was also still the only Black female or Black person in the department at the time. And how much of that played in your reflections, if at all, if you're the only Black female person in the class in this really spectacular study? Do you carry that with you? Is it something that's not really material to the experience or what was it for you? I mean, it was something I was aware of. I, I, I had a really good experience, right? I mean, I never felt like, oh, I'm the only Black person in this apartment. But what I did do was I got involved with various, you know, outreach programs focused on increasing the participation of women and underrepresented minorities in STEM. So I was doing some outreach in that area while I was a graduate student. And I'd also gotten involved with Black Graduate Engineering Science Students Association. And that included graduate students from across the STEM field at Berkeley, so engineering, physics, math, et cetera. So it was more like I was disappointed about it, but mm. it, mm -hmm. but I had an overall really good experience, yeah. And I would say, you know, as someone who came from Mississippi, 
when I went to Professor Chopin's lab, it was a small group, maybe 10 people, 10, 12 people, but they were from all over the world. We had to, I worked with someone wow. in Russia, I worked with people from India, from Sierra Leone, like France, like it was in Italy, I think. And so it was just a massive cultural exchange. It was amazing. Like Mississippi is 60% white people and 40% black. So this was a, an amazing cultural exchange for me. And they were all working on radio chemistry, you know, doing work related to recycling spent fuel. And, and I just thought, wow, this was, it, it was really pleasant. And then of course, you know, going to Berkeley was another wonderful opportunity to see even more uh, diversity and work with people in my department. You know, even though I was the only black person in the department at the time, we had people from, again, all over the world working together. And we've had long friendships, even outside of graduate school. And I just think, you know, this is the face of our, our country. I think our country is stronger for it. It's more beautiful for it. And I want to see that. I mean, you learn so much from people's different perspectives based on their, their culture, from where they came from, from their socioeconomic background. There's just so much there. And it's, not only is it formative from a, from a cultural perspective, but, you know, they also they, you know, they have different approaches to solving yes. problems. And, and so there have been studies that show the benefits of diversity and inclusion in the workplace as far as innovation. And yes. So, Thank you for sharing. I know you're also a member of the board of directors of the American Nuclear Society, and you're also the vice president of its fuel cycle and waste management division. There's so much potential out there for nuclear as an energy solution. What are you hoping to achieve by serving in these roles? Tell us a little bit about this work. Oh, yeah. So so first, I guess I should tell people what the American Nuclear Society is. It is in my opinion, uh, the nation's premier professional nuclear organization. It has members from across the nuclear field and industry, academia, government, you know, nonprofit organizations and elsewhere. And I see this large organization of professionals as a resource uh, for the country, right? And so in my role as a member of the board of directors, what I'd like to do is expand ANS's role in decision-making regarding nuclear technology. So that's not just nuclear energy, it's you know nuclear medicine, there's nuclear propulsion. Uh, I think I haven't mentioned that yet, but there's so many applications of nuclear technology. So NASA's looking at that for space. Now we're starting to look at using nuclear process heat, the large amounts of high-quality heat that's produced from nuclear reactors for you know, decarbonizing other sectors you know, the pharmaceutical industry, the chemical industry, uh, oil and gas industry. And so I see, you know, a lot of these people who are working on these areas are members of ANS. And I want to find a way to, to leverage that collective expertise to expand ANS's role in that decision making. Another thing I want to do is help diversify the nuclear industry and also increase access to nuclear power and its benefits by underrepresented and underserved communities. So it's well known, in my opinion, that communities that have a nuclear power plant, they tend to have you know, higher incomes. I mean, nuclear is essentially like one of the highest paying jobs in the energy industry. And so communities that have nuclear power plants have higher incomes. You know, they get the two-car garages and the two-story homes and they have well-funded schools and things like that. But it seems that these communities tend to be, you know, overwhelmingly white for whatever reason. And I think that 
this is an opportunity for the industry to actually make an effort to expand into those communities so that they can get those benefits as well. And I think part of that involves doing outreach to different communities, to different universities uh, about nuclear power as a clean energy source. I think there are a lot of stigmas that are associated with nuclear, you know, based on its its history, you know, starting from uh, World War II. And I think, you know, so much has happened since that time. You have such a better, an excellent handle on, you know, nuclear power. Uh, we have the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which does, in my opinion, a great job of regulating the civilian nuclear industry to help ensure that people are benefiting from the safe use of nuclear power. And so I think some outreach needs to be done to help do that. And so I'll end by saying that the American Nuclear Society does also have a KC-12 outreach program that does help teachers teach nuclear power in the classroom. And I'd like to see those topics being taught in schools with live underrepresented students. When you talk about the outreach and the future and increased representation in this field, what else comes to mind? What else can we be thinking of to support your objectives there? You know, that's a great question. And it it leads me to, to bring up a really important point. Right. So I think one reason that people may be hesitant to go into nuclear industry is the word nuclear. They think, well, in order for me to go into yes. the industry, I have to be in nuclear. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it turns out there we need everyone. Right. And so we have to get the message out that, you know, hey, you don't just have to have a PhD in nuclear engineering. We need people in material science and chemistry and physics and geology, all kinds of fields to go into nuclear. And so I think that, again, that outreach could involve going to to schools, even to schools that don't have nuclear engineering programs, to let them know about the possibilities, the roles they play. We've been focused a lot on STEM, but we also need people who are even not in STEM. And I think my experience at the NRC really drove that home for me. I guess I'm saying that, yeah, we need people from many different walks of life in the nuclear field. It's not just, you know, nuclear reactor physics. There's radiation biology. There's, you know, radiochemistry, radiogeochemistry, or isotope geochemistry. Aerospace engineers can work on nuclear space propulsion. There's just so many different areas. Another thing I say, you know, because, again, I'm focused on looking, improving diversity in the field is I think it's helpful for those of us in the nuclear industry to try to go to conferences that bring together people from universities from all across the country that may or may not have nuclear and set up booths to do outreach and talk to them about nuclear power, right? I think that's one thing. Well, Dr. Leggett, it's clear to me you are the modern-day technology leader and I'm so inspired by you and your impact and your leadership and so grateful to work alongside you and learn more about nuclear because I I think you're right that I think there's just certain perceptions or stigmas that sometimes follow it while it offers great potential. And with leaders like you at the helm, without question, we've got a bright future ahead. At the end of every podcast, we give our guests some free space to share their final thoughts. What would you like to leave with those listening today? Um, well, I'd say first, you know, nuclear power 
is a very clean source of electricity. It's the nation's largest provider of carbon-free or clean electricity in the country. People tend to dwell on the waste that are produced from nuclear power. And I would say a couple of things on that. Uh, Firstly, the current nuclear reactors we have right now only use about 5% at most of the energy potential in those small fuel pellets. And so there are new and advanced reactors under development right now. There are a lot of companies out there that are trying to demonstrate, develop and demonstrate these reactors that can actually allow you to burn even more of that fuel. If we can do that, right, the actual amount of waste that we generate would go down significantly. Like I said, the amount of waste that we're talking about compared to the amount of energy that you've gotten out of nuclear is really, really small. It's also a very dense uh, energy source. It has many different amazing applications. So not just for power, uh, like I said, it's also processed heat. So if you want to use it to create other specialty chemicals, do district heating, district chilling, desalination, which is something that's very important in other countries that don't have access to clean water. You can do things like that. Also, there is interest in nuclear propulsion. If you want to go to Jupiter and beyond, right now, the best technology for that is nuclear power. And so there's so many benefits of that. You know, another concern that people tend to to bring up is safety. We have the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, which is committed to ensuring the safe operation of nuclear reactors. I can tell you that they, they operate very safely, right? We haven't had any significant accidents and nuclear in decades. And even from the last reactor accident that we had, there were a lot of lessons learned from that that have been implemented to further improve the safety of these reactors. And then I guess lastly, come join us. <laughs> we're looking for people from all walks of life to join the nuclear industry. Be a part of this exciting future. I'm just so grateful for your sharing with us. It's awesome. It's very, very cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Good to see (laughs) you as well. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Visit careers.boozallen.com to learn how you can be unstoppable with Booz Allen. Be the future. Work with us. The world can't wait.